Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Compassion and Courage, Conversations in Healthcare. I am your host, Marcus Engel. With me, as frequently happens, is the hotness in the studio, in-house. In live, real live, in person. Real live, in person, tangible, right next to me. And, uh, and this is a podcast where we teach compassionate communication, provide perspective, and inspire resilience. So we had a guest lecturer in my class the other night with my pre-meds and his his topic is the um, the character of a physician what is the character of a physician and he really talks about how to stay grounded through some depersonalizing experiences going through med school and residency and uh, at fellowships all of those kind of things that that sometimes the doctors get really, really burnt out. And so he's really trying to encourage these future docs to create their character now so they've got a good foundation going into med school. I think we all should be doing this kind of character building yes. work just like all of the time. But last night, uh, when, it, when he, the last time he shared with the class, he proposed a question to them of, why do you want to be a doctor? course and that's the question that everybody has to answer before they get into med school and interviews and those kinds of things so you better have a good pat answer for it but then he followed it up with okay you know why you do it now would you do it for free would you do it for free would you practice medicine if it meant that you didn't make a good income Mm -hmm. would you practice medicine if you only made minimum wage would you spend shifts of eight or 12 hours on your feet covered in human excrement and vomit and urine and blood, et cetera, et cetera, for 15 bucks an hour? Would you do it? It'd be hard, right? It'd be hard. Uh, You put in that much education, but there are some things that you just love to do so much that you would do it for free. So then you're probably asking the question, Marcus, would you go out and speak for free? And the answer is yes, and I do, rather frequently too. There are a lot of organizations uh, that, I, that I donate time to and donate my expertise to because they have such a connection with my heart, right? You've seen this. Um, I, I love, there's... There's certain religious organizations that I'm more than happy to present for. Uh, sometimes, I know a couple of months ago, I, uh, just because I thought it would be a good opportunity, uh, there was a class somewhere up in, the, in New England, and there was a class of, I don't know, about 15 or 20 students. And these students were all public school students, and they were all on the autism spectrum. They read my book after this as a as a common read in the high school classroom and then they wanted to do a zoom so i got to do a zoom with these students got to answer their questions and you know i'm happy to do that that's kind of fun that's kind of fun and um i just did a week or two ago my my old middle school my best friend is a teacher at our old middle school and uh she teaches a class called medical detectives which is introducing middle school students to this idea of of what is medicine, what is healthcare, what are patients, what are providers, what are caregivers. And I was happy to share with them 
my experiences and what they could think about in, in their future careers in healthcare. These are things that just make my heart happy. I would do them for free. I do do them for free. And, um, and I love those things. But there has never been an organization that I have been more fond of and more happy and proud to do a pro bono speech for until, what, a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, was it barely a week ago? Yeah, just a week or so ago. So if we have met in the last 25 years, there is a good chance that you will not only remember meeting me, but you might even more remember meeting my dog. Now, I am Elliot. My current dog is number four for me. All of my dogs have been trained at the CNI in Morristown, New Jersey. So let me tell you a little bit about the CNI and what they do there. At the CNI, they create dun 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 CNI dogs. Right? It is the it is the uh, foremost leading organization, really, in the world for training uh, guide dogs for people who are blind. And the school has been around. The CNI has been around since 1929. It has always operated as a non for profit organization. And these dogs that ultimately are placed with people like me who are blind, uh, these dogs are, the cost of these dogs is underwritten by the generosity of the public and of private corporations all around the country. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Because I would not be able to have a dog if I had to pay for the dog myself. This is a this would be a couple of years salary for many people to train one dog. And I don't know if many people have a couple of years salary laying around as kind of disposable income. As the CNI operates at a non-for-profit status, that means that people like me get our dogs for basically nothing. You do pay a very minimal fee for the dog, and I'm talking like 50 or 100 bucks here, right? Not thousands, not tens of thousands as their training requires. So when the CNI asked me to come and speak at an event on campus in Morristown, New Jersey, you don't even have to wait for me to say yes, right? You don't even have to wait for me to say, uh, yeah, I'm happy to jump on a plane. I'm happy to get up there. I'm happy to donate my time, happy to donate my expertise, happy to donate. Mm, I actually have the CNI in my will because I am so appreciative of the dogs that they have provided for me throughout my life. It is an incredible organization. If you want to know that your money and your, your tax contributions are going to, tax deductible contributions are going to a good place, look at cni.org. And I got to bring the hotness along for her very first trip to the CNI, which is a 70 acre campus and dog training facility and school in Morristown, New Jersey. You have heard me talk about the CNI. You have known three of my four dogs. What was it like for you stepping on campus for the first time? Wow. Well, honestly, it was emotional because I knew, um, I did know three of your dogs. Mm -hmm. I have known three of your dogs. And one of the things they have are bricks coming up to the, uh, 
entrance where different people who make different donations can write, have their name emblazoned on a brick. And I looked around at that and I just looked around at the campus and it was, it was this overwhelming feeling of what a difference this place makes. And everyone who, who had donated, I got a little like, man, you don't know what you provided for a person. You probably don't understand the greatness of it is to have a CNI dog. But thank you for doing that. And walking in, of course, everybody was so sweet. But the campus itself was amazing. And there was a large group there for the event. These were the, the people that were attending the event were donors, longtime donors, many of them, uh, and a bunch of puppy raisers. So let me tell you a little bit about how this goes. Uh, when the dogs are born, for about the first 18 months or so of the dog's life, they are with puppy raisers. And these are volunteers who bring these dogs with them everywhere they go. Now, these people live all over New Jersey, all over New York, some in Pennsylvania, uh, maybe some in other states too. But volunteers in all these places have agreed to take a dog for a year, year and a half, and socialize that dog as much as possible. One of the puppy raisers that we met lives in New Jersey, but works in Manhattan. And so every day she takes the puppy with her on the train to Manhattan, uh, walks the dog around New York City, dog goes in her office building, it, it just learns how to behave in so many different environments. If you and I have known each other for a long time, you might remember Dasher, who was my first dog that I got when I was 19. And Dasher was, you know, just a year and a half after I lost my sight. But in his puppy profile, I learned that the folks who had raised him were a couple of retired farmers from Pennsylvania. And Dasher was the 26th puppy that this husband and wife had raised for oh the CNI over the years. That's amazing. That's so cool, right? So people that dedicate their, oh my gosh, you know what it's like having a puppy? I don't because I've, <laughs> I've only gotten my dogs when they're, when they're two, two and a half years old. I don't know what it's like they're to go through potty the pottying and the, the chewing <laughs> on the, the chewing stages and chewing up the walls and the carpet and the chair. I don't I know, know what, what that's this like. Is like because I've had toddlers. Yeah. Good point. Good point. <laughs> and it's kids that are chewing on <laughs> legs of, tra of, uh, of chairs and such too. So, so being around these puppy raisers, knowing the sacrifices that they're making uh, and the sleepless nights that they're having, gosh, that makes me feel so incredibly fortunate that, that these people not only have trained these dogs for a year and a half, socialized them, gotten their basic obedience, gotten uh, hopefully some of their uh, bad behaviors taken out, <laughs> And then those volunteers, those puppy raisers, mm. give the dogs back to the school. And for the next four or five months, those dogs are trained at the school how to guide, how to know to stop for stairs, how to go left and right, how to uh, properly guide around obstacles, how to do intelligent disobedience intelligent disobedience. These are the things that the dog learns. 
But I go back to those puppy raisers and I think, how can you love that dog for 18 months, take the dog with you everywhere you go, and then say, okay, bye. You can't, right? Because that dog is going to take a little piece of your heart with you. And that dog is ultimately going to go on to serve out their purpose as a seeing eye dog. And when I think about the sacrifices of those puppy raisers, that is, they're major donors, right? They may not be writing five and six figure checks to the organization to, to support the nonprofit, but they are making such major donations. And who are the recipients of the, those donations? People like me, people who can very much be benefited, have their entire life benefited by the presence of one of these dogs at their side. Yeah. I was I was so pleased to be there. It was it was one of those heart presentations that I felt like this organization has given me so much over the last quarter of a century. What a joy it is to go back and to be able to do something and provide some some stories and perspective about the these life-changing dogs for people who are ensuring that people like me will still have dogs years down the road. It was a really amazing time. Uh, it was incredible. And there were, like he said, several um, puppy raisers there. And I made a point to go to each one of them to tell them that I really do think they're the heroes of the organization. Mm -hmm. I really do. But really because I wanted to play with the puppies. Because <laughs> when they, they would take them off uh, vest so that you could play with them. And I did get to play and pet with a lot of puppies. And I took one and tried to get it in my pocket to bring home. And they wouldn't let me. And that wasn't even a... That, that dog actually that was, was, train was dog. in training. <laughs> uh, dog was ready to... Uh, will probably be matched oh, with a, a, a person who is blind <laughs> next month. Odessa, this petite, beautiful little black yes, lab. I wanted her so much. Oh, bad. gosh. She would be such a good friend to have, <laughs> but she would not be the CNI dog for me because she is so tiny and she probably doesn't tiny. have enough strength. But, but, oh, my gosh. How can you not just feel compassion when you're around dogs and it's not just because they're cute you know dogs make us be better versions of ourselves right dogs make us be better versions they of ourselves do. i am a better person for having had cni dogs in my life for the last 20 plus years um dogs just make us better people i know that there's that saying that says uh you know maybe someday i'll be half the person that my dog thinks I am, right? <laughs> oh, that's right. It, it they really do gives always us, greet you like you're perfect. Like you are they? the best thing in the world. So it is. So thank you to the CNI. And again, if you are interested in making a tax-deductible donation to an organization that has changed my life and has changed the lives of thousands upon thousands of blind people in America since 1929. Okay. Please go to cni.org, uh, make a donation. And also, if you're a dog lover and if you have a new puppy, they also have a download about how they train dogs and how you can train your puppy the way that the CNI trains dogs. It's a pretty cool thing. So thank yeah. you to the CNI for all of my dogs and 
Thank you to the CNI for giving me the opportunity to come share part of my story and how my life has been so deeply impacted by the work of the organization. That to me is compassion in action. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. All right. Thank you all so much for being with us for this episode of Compassion and Courage, Conversations in Healthcare. I am your host, Marcus Engel. With me, as always in the studio, is Marveline, a.k.a. The Hotness. And this is the podcast where we teach compassionate communication, provide perspective, and inspire resilience. Thank you all so much for continuing to interact with everything through social media. And we will see you on the next CNC episode.